0: friend. how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm so ready for episode two. I'm
1: very excited yes. for this. I'm so thrilled for doing this. I'm very proud of us. Also, I am also very proud of us, <laughs> considering how much mental load we have. So, give me your peaches and pits for this week.
0: All right. So, my pits, it's funny. I'm reading yours here and it says you haven't been feeling 100%. And I feel like I woke up this morning just feeling a little bit run down too. And that was going to be yeah. my pit. I think it's because I like was on such a high last night after we got mm-hmm. done that it Took too long to like, <laughs> come so it was like, it was like midnight before I fell asleep. And then obviously like on a weeknight or a week day, the alarm right. goes off the time the alarm goes off. So it's not like I can be like, Oh, that's cool. I'll just like sleep in an extra hour or whatever. Um, so that was that was my pit. Um, thankfully it feels like I don't know, maybe I'm heading that off. And then I think my Peaches has been watching the boys get super into like throwing the football and throwing the baseball. Because we bought Hudson all of his like competitive baseball gear and he got like he needed a new helmet that had like the mouth guard on it and he needed like the full outfit and he needed a new glove. Like he needed new things. All the things. Yeah. Um. And then he decided he wanted to, to pay for half of football gloves because they're not required. So we were like, well, we're not going to pay for fancy football gloves by wow. ourselves. So you agree. So it's been fun watching them like get super into it out in the yard, especially with like the that weather is... taking a turn and I know. That's so cute. Yeah, Mine is also sport
1: my peaches is also sports related. We had a volleyball practice tonight. I am coaching Charlotte's volleyball team and it's a ten and under team. And we've only had three practices and I am already seeing so much improvement and like Aww. a lot of the girls are working on their overhand serves, not from yeah. like the back line, but from like right, the hat. Right. Um, and so many of them got it over today and you could just tell it. They're like, oh, like you the could read like their pride and their excitement. Oh. They're like, I got it over. Coach Angie, did you see it? It oh. was, it was really, really cute. So it's giving, it's bringing me joy seeing them yeah. improve.
0: Oh, a hundred percent.
1: That's cute. <laughs> yeah. And then that. today i just haven't felt a hundred percent. on like. Just like tired and blah.
0: Yeah, I am. That's weird. That's exactly how I woke up feeling. So I mm. stopped at, I stopped at the store on the way home from dropping off at daycare and was like, I need some zinc vitamins and some <laughs> mercury. <Right. laughs> I'm sure my body was like, well, Why are you putting this much vitamin C into me at one time <laughs> in concentration?
1: Oh, <laughs> God. I was like, oh, oh, God. Damn it. I was just bouncing all over today. I had to be at my sister's house for a little bit to let a contractor in since she works at a state. And then I was at Nebraska Furniture Mart with my husband and then back to work and then home and then working Mm -hmm. remotely. And so like today was just, it was really chaotic. It felt like nothing lasted for long enough for me to like sit in that moment long enough to like feel like I was settled.
0: Oh, yeah. I almost fell asleep before, like, we recorded because um, – so for those of you who are listening, we record this at, like, 830 in the evening after our kids have gone to bed. Um, but we uh, we went out to eat because we didn't have dinner plans today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we went to Texas Roadhouse and got some dinner, um, and then Nora was like, let's watch Descendants – Whatever, three, yeah. four, however many of those there are. And I was just, I was like nodding off. And I'm like, don't do it. You will regret it. You will mm-hmm. regret it. It's not worth it. Yeah. So, all righty. Spitfire shenanigans. You know what I was thinking about on the way to pick up the girls? I laugh because I feel like every time Nora sees Caroline, she leaves with some sort of Caroline's clothing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think that says more about Nora than it does about Caroline. (laughs) But I was thinking about how it sort of went this, like, has always been a part of their friendship. And I was thinking about the raincoat from the Tots room.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The special raincoat.
0: The raincoat. Nora had gotten this raincoat for Easter and it was adorable. I still have. I'm so excited for Willa to be able to wear it this summer. But it was like light blue and it had all these cute little suns on it. It was lined. It was like a heavy raincoat. And I remember it was like rainy or it might have just been like cloudy that morning. I mean, (sighs) it could have been sunshiny to be honest because I do remember the day was like Pretty warm by the time I picked up. And so this was like at an age where, like, you and I knew each other from Hudson and Fiona kind of going to the birthday parties together. But like, I really didn't have much. I mean, the girls were like two, two ish, three ish, somewhere in there. Right. So they weren't like, it's not like Caroline really knew me or like had a relationship with me. And I don't think like most days she really said much to me. Um, and so I came in, and Jesse like came in, kind of right behind me, and we go outside. It's like ninety degrees out. I feel like, <laughs> I mean, it's hot enough that you don't need a coat. Like, right? There's, there's no. And that way. is why
1: Nora didn't have one on, right? And that's why Nora, Nora did not
0: have a coat on. And so, like, I am talking to her, and I look over, and I see Caroline in her coat. And she's like leaning up against the fence that separates the big playground from the little one. And I go, hey, I was like, Caroline, do you have the same same Ranko as Nora? And she is sort of like gives me this terrified look and is like, <laughs> No, no, you know, it was like she would not actually talk to me. And so the teacher's like, oh my gosh, we're so sorry. Caroline told us that was her coat and Nora agreed that it was her coat. And so we just let her put it on. And I was like, "It, I totally don't care. I was like, she could have the same one. I don't think she right. does. But.
1: No, she doesn't. And,
0: yeah. <laughs> I was like, so I looked at her and, you know, and Jesse's like, all right well what are we doing here and I was like you're lying. could I have Nora's coat and you know that that Homer Simpson meme where he's like trying to fade back into the bushes <laughs> like, she like she like does that against the fence and then like makes herself like, all like flat and and just like shakes her head and And Jess is like, Caroline, take the coat off. And then it becomes like a thing. And she doesn't want to take the coat off and she's upset. And I was like, you know what? I was like, you can just, it's okay. I was like, Bring the coat back tomorrow or whenever, you know. And so then the next morning I saw Jesse at drop off and he goes, I'm really sorry. I tried to get her out of the coat and it did not work. And she had it for like two or three days. Then I like way back to Nora's cubby. But that's probably one of my favorite Caroline moments is is this raincoat that she. was clearly dripping sweat. Like, she was yeah. so hot and did not need to be in this at all. But she was just, like, she doubled down.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that's her, like, number I mean, one personality true. straight is doubling down. And so Caroline is the most stubborn human on the planet, I think. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but I it, do love that story so much. It's cemented into really
0: the future like, of their friendship.
1: Yeah, like that, like toddler, that toddler room relationship is like really where you and I started talking more because when we were babies, like, yeah, they like ran those rooms in their infancy, but it wasn't until that they really got to Tots and it was very clear that they had a preference for each other and no one else. (laughs) (laughs) That like is where it really started to blossom.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. I I see the same thing happening like with Willa and her friends in that room. I don't know if you noticed it with Warren, if he like really kind of cemented his like group or maybe it's yeah. just like a um, I – I don't know. I mean, Hudson, I feel like Hudson did the same thing. But we started Hudson in the Tots room there because we were at a home daycare before that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that Tots room is just where also those like friendships really like yeah. – Come out, and you start to like see the preference, and like hear the same names kind of consistently.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Warren and his best bud Big Wyatt, because there's two whites in this class. Oh, there's two Wyatts, Yeah, there's little white and big one. Crew. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. So Warren naturally made best friends with the other largest child in the class, and so it's Big Wyatt, and then Big Wyatt calls Warren Warner, and it's my favorite thing ever. And so his parents, like I don't call Big Wyatt anything but Big Wyatt, and so his mom will regularly call Warren Warner,
0: Warner, because that's just you know. right, because that's right. all she has to go off yeah. of. Is-
1: yeah, they're playing soccer this spring together. Which should be adorable. Oh,
0: that'll be cute.
1: Yeah, but yeah, the stef- the tots room is definitely where friendships begin and are yeah. solidified.
0: So, yes, that's where. If anybody had any doubts about <laughs> Nora <Northern laughs> and Caroline, I don't feel like I don't feel like they really like open their friendship up to other people until like maybe sometime in like preschool.
1: Yeah, potentially even yeah. pre K. <laughs> I was gonna say it was probably pretty like the summer between preschool and pre-K. Yeah. Oh,
0: girls, I love them so much. They're funny. I know, me
1: They're crazy. What do you got for partner praise today? So uh, one of my favorite things that Jesse does is uh, occasionally does he I'm listening. I don't, I be don't know. Who he might be. I think his movie is too loud. Um. <laughs>
0: can't even hear the compliments i'm giving you i
1: know um i take my work to lunch with me pretty much every day because i work outside the home and he works from home and so occasionally when i'm running late because i generally have a pretty flexible schedule but it's in sometimes in the mornings i'll have an early morning meeting or i'll have to drive to our lincoln location which is about an hour um away he will pack my lunch for me and he always leaves me the sweetest most encouraging notes and I keep all of them in my desk drawer (laughs) because I like to go back and read them and it's like he's like just this tiny little like inspiring (laughs) note so sweet like be your best like be your best self because I know how great it is and like just little stuff like that that's It's very sweet, and it always makes my day.
0: I'm gonna make Eric listen to this episode and be like, <laughs> not me, on.
1: yeah." I would say like it happens maybe like once or twice a month, and it's always just like a nice little pick me up because it always is very unintentionally amazingly like, planned, like timed, right? Right, like when you need it the most, right? Because oh. I hate being late. And that's why he's packing my lunch, because I can't handle being late.
0: (laughs) That's sweet. That is sweet. What about Eric? Uh, I am going to go back to tie in the football and the baseball. We have been talking quite a bit about, like, how – so, like, him and Hudson have basically carbon copies of each other's personality, and (laughs) that, like – is great, except for like it sometimes, like it makes them butt heads sometimes. And it, right. <laughs> I mean, cause you're basically arguing with, with your version yeah. of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. So we've been talking a lot lately about how, um, like, they can maybe connect in a way that kind of leaves them both feeling really good instead of like in these moments where, you know, they're kind of like, Basically, trying to match each other's energy, um, yes. and really just like one up each other. And you know, obviously, like there's an adult and there's a child in the relationship. <laughs> but but Hudson's not go like, toe to toe. That's a new thing with like um, age nine. It's like literally yes. the day he turned nine. This like switch flipped, and he's like, "I'm not taking your shit anymore." And he has like some thoughts to say about it. <laughs>
1: Great. So, Fiona turns nine next week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, maybe girls will be different. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just we'll see. he's the oldest. He's the only boy. He maybe is the oldest. oldest. Maybe that has something to do with it. Because
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, there's been lots of other, tons of other positive changes too. So um, but anyway, we've been talking about like um how to like just connect in a way that like, you know, it's fun. It's not like mm-hmm. I don't directions or I'm trying to ask you for help or something. Um, And sometimes those aren't like always, I feel like as parents, the easiest conversations to have or to like hear. And I'm just really proud of him for like stepping up and like taking that like idea and running with it. And I mean, I feel like it already makes a huge, just in the past like week has made a huge difference because they're like excited and like, Hudson has funny names for him now. Like he started calling him "Pops," which I have not. Like nobody (laughs) in our family calls their dad "Pops." I like that. Last night when they better than bra. Oh no, Fiona! That is is the. Is oh my gosh, bra, bra! I've never heard bra so many times in my life.
1: Who (laughs) are you?
0: Yeah, Uh, no, that's Hudson's favorite phrase too. So. Um, that that has been fun to watch to the evolution of bra because, like, obviously we thought it was hilarious the first few times he threw it out. Um, but now it's become like a good way to sort of like diffuse the tension sometimes, you know? Because like mm-hmm. when they're really irritated with each other, one of them will be like Bruh! and then it's like it <laughs> You know, so, <laughs> it's, been, it's been good. Um, yeah, but I love. I mean, I love watching them play and like have fun and. Mm-hmm. Good. So that's my my thing for today. So I love it. All right. So on to today's actual topic. We want to dive in and talk about the professional impact that the mental load has on women. It is probably much more far-reaching than Mm -hmm. any anyone really truly kind of realizes and I know we talked a little bit in the first episode about how you know when you have your kids at work you tend to start feeling like you're viewed as less dedicated or more distracted mm-hmm. um which are all very true things but there are some very like hard statistics about what And like, it all stems from the mental load and kind of this perception that it creates of moms in the workplace. And so there was, interestingly, there was this study from McKinsey that came out um, and it has shown that over the past eight years, women are losing ground in the step up to the manager role. So we're really great at getting into those like entry-level, maybe mid-level positions, you know, getting promoted in between there. But then when it comes time and, – and it's critical to do that, like, early in your career, right? right. Like, that's generally when you start to – you like, you kind of set yourself up for, like, future promotions if that's what you're working toward. And we are consistently over the past eight years losing ground there. We are – only 26% of first-level manager positions, which I think is astounding.
1: It is astounding. And I just – because women – I mean, like even like generalizing, you would think that like because we are so good at this mental load thing oh, at home, why – we Why, can run our around people at work. Yeah. Like 100%. that is like – that seems like a clear like tit for tat thing. And yes. so it's, it's just so interesting that at home we're praised for doing all the things and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And you're so amazing. And you're such a great mom. And you're such a great wife. And you're such a great household maker. Yes.
0: yes but. But then you walk into that office door and they're like, oh, you're really great at being a mom. You must suck here then. (laughs)
1: Yeah. You must. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense.
0: I – do you feel like – do you feel like your mental load is something that like holds you back at work or in your career in general or how – like
1: what has been your experience? Early on in my career, I would say that motherhood affected my ability to be an engaged employee, but it was, but that wasn't, like, a passion job. Like, it wasn't something that, like, I was super excited about. It was something that I just kind of fell into, and it was paying the bills. Um, where now, it, like, sort of ebbs and flows, I would say. Certainly, um, like, a good example would be when – Fiona, my daughter, Um, we had to go to the Mayo Clinic this last summer, and my work was also transitioning all of our upper-level positions, our executive director, our operations director, um, and we were restructuring the organization. Mm -hmm. And I was just overwhelmed by the fact that my daughter had an undiagnosed condition and we were being sent to Mm -hmm. the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. But then I also felt the need that I had to prove myself at work because I have all new bosses. And so it was really this, like, just mental and emotional exhaustion on both ends and where I needed to focus my energy. But now that we have a better grasp on Fiona and all of her things, that in particular doesn't affect me as much. But certainly when they... When there's more going on at home, I f- am feeling more distracted um, or like there's more on my plate. But I don't think that jobs, I'm, dr- I'm not sure I have the right word in, in my brain, but I don't think that you have to be this like robot of a person mm-hmm. or an employee you have good days and bad days because we're all human beings. And so because the summer I was distracted shouldn't be like the deciding factor for the rest of my career moving forward because I had a a situation at home that was difficult for us as a family to handle because I'm, I know that I'm a great employee. I know that I'm good at my job. And so It's like that just like emotional torment of Mm -hmm. I know I can do better, but right now I need to focus on this. But now I can focus on the work and do all the things. Yeah. And so it just – it really just ebbs and flows. And I wish that that was more expected than you show up and you're a perfect employee every single day. Mm -hmm. No Mm questions asked.
0: Yeah. What about you – yeah, I I would agree. I feel like it's definitely um, the there's like a harmony to it, right? Like, absolutely. Never, like you're never knocking it out of the park in both places. So it, I generally try to kind of stay like you know I think of it as sort of like a like I've got kind of like beacons on either side. So like, right. As long as I'm like in between the two beacons, and it's not yeah. like you know, then I feel like it's, it's fine. But I definitely, I mean, especially with little kids. And I remember feeling this, like when I was first promoted to being a manager and, and very similar situation, I had a new boss and I mean, thankfully i had had him for several months and he was a really fantastic guy before kind of this came up, but it's just, you know, it was like, it's cold and flu season. And I swear like every other week I was out sick with something, you know, if it wasn't like, sometimes it wasn't me, sometimes it was the kids, but then inevitably it was me again, It was, you know, like, because you just like, you never, your immune system never recovers and you're just in that cycle. And I do remember feeling like very self-conscious and feeling like, I mean, I remember like, Dragging my kids when like they had a fever and being like, We're just gonna run into the office really quick so I can get my work. Because at yep. the time, like like working from home, we were not set up with the tools for it. So, like I right. had to physically go to the office and think like through my day and go, what can I reasonably take home with me that doesn't like violate some sort of like IT policy <laughs> or right. you know, like and still sort of like sort of makes me available for my team. And I felt like this pressure. You know, even though I don't think like the people I managed were expecting me to like, you know, do that kind of thing. I sort of like felt like people were watching and felt yeah. like, you know, the last thing I wanted to do was be gone again for mm-hmm. a second, especially because nobody else on my team had kids. So like they couldn't – Empathize, you know. I right. like, I'm not lying to you when I say that my children are just straight up carrier monkeys and bring right. home every sickness and
1: illness. <laughs> and then the they floor. sneeze in your eyeball. Yes. And like, they, what are you supposed to do for that?
0: Right. Like they literally will like just like lick their finger and then poke you in the eye and be like, "This yeah. is what do you mean?" You know, or they're like constantly drinking out of your drink because what's mine yeah. is theirs, mm-hmm. and so it definitely it. It felt like something that was unexplainable at the time. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think – I don't think that ever went away when I was in that position. Like my boss was really great and really understanding. I feel like my team was as well. Um, but now having a job where I am 100% remote um, – and I feel like the co-founders of our company are, like, very, very understanding of this. Like, I've never once felt, like, bad when I feel like my kids are sick or I'm sick. I mean, I was, like, less than a year into working with them and because I started in May of 21. And in November of 21 is when Delta, the Delta variant, like mm-hmm. – Oh, my gosh, happened. yes. And you guys yeah, had COVID. Right? right do you rem- like
1: like, like so you expensive. literally got like three strains of covid in like 6 weeks <laughs> yes
0: yes this yeah it was it was miserable we were quarantined because my husband came home with it um and that sort of kicked it off and th- this was like before willow was 8 a- able to have a vaccine. Um, And it was before they had kind of like changed the quarantine stuff. So basically like you, if anybody got it and you were exposed, it was an automatic 10 day quarantine minimum. Like it didn't matter your vaccine status. It didn't matter anything like that. Um, And it just sort of like kept going, you know, like We'd literally get to like day eight or nine of somebody's quarantine and another person would get it. Yeah. Um, You know, and it went like that for almost the entire month of November. And then we were barely to like Christmas break and daycare had an outbreak. And so we pulled the kids because we were like, we miss Thanksgiving. We are not missing Christmas. So then they were home again. And then we got it again in January and again in February. Like it was just this like yeah. awful, um, you know. And so I, I felt even in that situation, though, I never once felt like I wasn't doing enough or that like my team didn't understand. And so I really do think it's like the
1: environment that leaders cultivate. Yeah. I mean, and I would agree with that like with this – summer with Fiona and stuff like I work for a small nonprofit and so I definitely have the support but it's that like internal mm-hmm. like struggle you're dealing with of like I know I can do better and like holding yourself to these standards that you know that you're capable of but like in that moment you have to wear like your work hat has to move over a little bit and your mom ha- has 100%. to come on which is, further. it's
0: funny that that is, you know, we're talking about this being sort of like the internal pressure and kind of like that drive. And I, I mean, f- for me, part of it was pressure to feel like I had to demonstrate my performance. But then also it was like, I do actually like care about my job and like yeah. want to do great things like in my position. It's why I like continue to work and it's funny because as I was sort of prepping for this episode and like researching more about this, this idea of like an an ambition gap kept coming up, and it's this hmm. like theory that women are just less ambitious than men, and like that's why once we start having kids, we are like less dedicated to our work or we are like more distract easily distracted. Because we just simply
1: like lack ambition. <laughs> Which
0: but I thought was like. Is sad. it adding
1: other humans like that we're responsible for ambitious in and of itself? Right.
0: Right. It was so, it's I so just... to this idea that like oh, you just must not want it bad enough or you would figure out how to like balance all of this stuff and it wouldn't be an issue and you wouldn't have to bring this to the workplace. I feel like it's kind of – and I don't feel like I've ever run across that. Like I don't think I've ever like overtly experienced somebody who's like, oh, you're just like not super ambitious. Um, But probably – Yeah, certainly not to that
1: like (laughs) – And call out <laughs>
0: about, um. you know, like, I, I want to move up. I want to move, move up. And, you know, so I was kind of, I was researching this and I just thought it was such a ridiculous thing that people have to actually do studies on it. Right. So right. Great, new, great news, great news, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. According to have research, stats. women's oh. ambition levels do vary, but it varies by your company, not by your family status. Weird. Mm,
1: weird. Never so would have thought that.
0: It's not inherent to motherhood, ladies and gentlemen of the corporate world. I feel like that's gotta be, that's gotta be a thing. That's like a man thought, right? Like other women don't look at other women and go, you're just not ambitious because you're a mom. I don't know. I mean,
1: I would like to hope not, I guess.
0: Yeah. But the thing that I thought was interesting is that, so this like perception they noted really just kind of like the level of a woman's ambition according to like the women who participated in this study really varied and hinged on like the day-to-day experiences of those women at work, which I think that makes a ton of sense. Like all the things that we were just kind of talking about, I feel like that is, you know, the difference between I feel much more ambitious in my role today than I did. And I mean, I was getting promoted and I I asked for like – after I'd been a manager for a while, I was sort of like lobbying and asking for like what is the next step. Um, mm-hmm. I mean that was also at a time where I felt like I had to continue like yeah. climbing the ladder and I feel like now um, – That doesn't feel like as validating to me as it did earlier in my career, but the experience and the way that companies like shape the work culture, I think really does affect that ambition. And I think really that statement then makes a lot of sense to me because if you've got assholes who like watch your comings and goings and are like, oh, well, this is like the third time this week you've had to leave for a sick kid or for an appointment right? versus just like people being like, take care of your stuff. Let me know like what we can do. It makes a huge difference.
1: Yeah. Well, even within that culture then, if somebody is constantly saying in the workplace that just white men are getting promoted, like what's that going to do to their own ambitious drive? (laughs) Right. Like.
0: If that's it out, be- it's hard to be motivated when I don't see other people like me Yeah, in the positions I'd like to be in. Dun, dun, dun. Representation matters. Gosh, it's so weird. It's like we're not having this conversation on a larger scale in America about this. <laughs> hmm. So strange. So anyway, fun fact. People believe that there is an ambition gap, but it is actually not true. It really just depends on the culture that your workplace sets up. So then I feel like it kind of bears this question. I'm interested to hear what you think about this because I I thought about this quite a bit as I prepped this episode mm-hmm. and did the research. Um, Sorry. I've said that I prep this episode quite a bit and I feel like I should say you (laughs) you have too in my own preparation, my personal preparation. I did not like single-handedly bring bring this episode to fruition. But as I was like reading and trying to prepare for the conversation, something that I thought was interesting and like kind of kept Coming up, like it came up in a couple of articles, and I was like, "Oh, that's an interest," or "Oh no, it was like some TikToks I watched." That's what it was. Where the question was like, "Does a should a company even be concerned about a woman's well being outside of the workplace?" And like, that's it. Should they be concerned
1: about our well being outside of the workplace? So, in my preparation of this episode, (laughs) I was I was like ruminating on this and. As someone in leadership in the organization I work for, I like to know because I think that in order for me to effectively manage another person and help guide them in their day to day tasks and job functions, I need to know if your husband's in the hospital. I need to know if your kid has strep again. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not because I'm judging you. it's because I'm I really want you to be able to lean into that and know that the organization that you're working for is there for you but I can also but I also feel like this is a super slippery slope because I work for a small nonprofit that has less than 40 employees. Do I think that that same model would work in a fortune 500 company? it I'm not sure that it would. In that Mm -hmm. scale, I think that it, And I feel like that's where like
0: workplace policy, right, has to change. And I know we've got that on the docket for like a deep dive into like it's in and of itself, its own episode. But I feel like – and this goes back to, you know, when I said like when I was, you know, pre-COVID – Early on when, like, my older two were younger and they were sick, like, we literally did not have the tools to work remotely. Right. So, like, I didn't have a way to VPN in to my um, workstation from a home computer.
1: Sorry. Oh, Jack, Jack.
0: Something's going on and my cats are freaked out. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the tools to like VPN in because I was on a Mac and like our IT department didn't support Macs. And so like there, you know, there wasn't a way for me to work from home. There wasn't a way to forward my phone to my personal phone if I needed to for a couple of days. And so it's, you know, I think like, you you have to consider both things, right? Like you have to consider the person and you have to consider the environment that you are putting them in. And And the reality is, I don't think that our workplaces set us up for success in that way. I think it absolutely could work in a huge company. When you have the tools and the structure to let people do that. But I also think... I, I think it's gonna be fascinating to see how this plays out because I'm also starting to see tons of articles about how companies are like not sure that they like the remote yeah. option. And so they're sort of like grasp, grappling with the idea of like do we have people in a hybrid do are we bringing people back to the office full time like we don't seem to trust that you can just like work from home and be productive even though so many people have like proven men and women that it's possible
1: right and that it might
0: actually be better and i think it's i think it's a huge miss when you don't consider the demands, even outside of, like, emergency situations. Like, I would just like to be recognized and trusted as an adult who earns a paycheck and has a <laughs> sense of responsibility. Right. As someone who is not a general slacker, I would like you to recognize that – and and again, I, I feel very lucky because – I have heard our co-founders say these kinds of things before, but it wasn't that way in my, my previous company where it's like, we, we just respect the fact that like, sometimes you got to go pick your groceries up over lunch because that's going to make your night go a lot smoother. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. You
0: know, like, or we understand that maybe you just need to like be done at three o'clock because your husband is traveling or working late or whatever, and so maybe you just need an hour to collect yourself before you have to like do pick up. You know, come home.
1: Yeah, everybody comes home yeah. in their I range.
0: Mean, it, it comes down to the the fact that like I don't live to work at my job. You know, right. like my job supports my lifestyle and I like it and I want to do a great job and I have, mm-hmm. it but like, I get up. like the thing that gives me purpose in life is like the family that I've created. It's and your family. family. That right. I'm raising, you know? Right. Like, so I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a huge mess on companies' parts when they like just sort of like segment you into… Like an employee who sometimes has an emergency.
1: I know, I think that's totally fair. And I do think that with, I can see with the tools and the, I, what I was thinking was like in this moment of time, mm-hmm. like we would, we don't have the infrastructure yeah. in large corporations to do it. But yeah, 100%. I call it <laughs> at work, I always call it whole person leadership. Like I want to be the leader that is helping the whole person, not just the employee, because I know that employee also wears several hats, as do I, and I would like to be afforded those same privileges and graces in my own life. So like, why wouldn't I extend that to others?
0: Yeah. So you have, you have like a hybrid option, really. Right. Like you have the ability to be, to like work from home and you need to work from home. Um, and I'm obviously fully remote and we've both been a hundred percent in office, yes. right? That was obviously that was probably m- a majority of people's experiences. Yeah. And then COVID kind of like introduced this. Um, do you, do you have a preference for, or do you feel like one is better than the other for you in terms of, like, helping to manage the the mental load? Uh,
1: I think that having the option is, like – In and of itself. In and of itself. Like, I feel like that's, like, the golden ticket is I'm not being forced to be in person, but I find joy in being in person and being on site and working with those that I work with. Um And the families we help and those types of things. But, like, also if there's a day where, like, putting on pants seems like it's the worst, I can get pretty much all of my job done at home also. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I really do feel like there's, like, this really nice sweet spot in, like, remote option.
0: Yeah, yeah. While still. Without, so I'm curious, like. Your remote option, like, do you have to have advanced warning or can it just be like, I woke up this morning and I am not feeling in person, so I'm just going to, like, shoot a message to the team and be like, working remote today.
1: Yeah. That's basically what I do is I have the option to just, like, pull the trigger at any moment to wear pants or not.
0: I feel like that is – I think you're right. I think having the option to be the way that you need to be um, Mm – And not saying like you have to be in person a minimum of three days or you right. have to be in on like, you know, I could maybe see like the request to say like, hey, our whole team, like if you were in a bigger organization to be like, hey, we need everybody for marketing here on this day because you are going to do like all your in-person meetings or or whatever. Right. um Or we see the value of being in person and so like we'd like mm-hmm. to do that. But I think you're right. I think just having the flexibility to say, like, this is what my life needs today and so therefore that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it without hesitation or worry about how it's going to be perceived or without questions of, like, well, why why are you home today? Like,
1: yeah. It's never –
0: Why don't you just want to put pants on? (laughs) Is that, ever, is that ever what you re- – like you just shoot over and you're like, I'm fine. I just don't feel like wearing pants today. So I mean
1: I have a great relationship with my um, bosses and so there are days where I'm just like I'm just not feeling it today. I don't want to put on makeup and I don't want to wear anything that has buttons. So I'm work from home. Obviously, I don't make those choices on days that I have in-person meetings already scheduled. Right, right. I'm not, like, dipping out on days that I already have planned. Commitments. Engagements. Right, right. And commitments. Um, but, yeah, I really do feel like there is this really, really sweet spot of just having the flipping option. mm mm-hmm.
0: Hey, it's Caitlin here with a quick break in the Real Talk to shout out some of me and Angie's favorite places and people. We don't actually have show sponsors or paid advertisers for the mental load, but we have a bunch of support from like-minded mom owned businesses that we want you to know about, as well as some of our favorite programs and products we think you might like. If you're a mama in the Papillion area looking for childcare, Angie and I both love our house Children's Learning Center. So, our Spitfire little daughters became besties, so it holds a special place in our heart. All of our kids have gone there, and we love it because the teachers foster a fun learning environment with a homey family style feel. I like that the teachers know my kids and can give me a full rundown at the end of the day, and that they support and mirror things that we're working on at home. It makes childcare feel like an extension of our families. Plus, it's high quality, affordable childcare. Schedule a visit by reaching out on Facebook at Our House Children's Learning Center. Hey, it's Caitlin. In November of 22, I started working with Marcus at Thriving Lives Fitness. After three kids, I just wanted my clothes to fit better and I wanted to feel confident in my own skin. What I love about working with Marcus is that he treats me as a whole person. He doesn't just give me meal plans and workouts to follow each week. He asks about things like my stress, my digestion, and my sleep, all things that impact my fitness. Yes, my clothes fit better after a few months of working with him because I've certainly lost weight. But more importantly, I feel like I've created a healthy lifestyle that can support my family and I long-term. I do earn affiliate commission when you sign up with Marcus, but as you know, we don't have paid sponsors. I do earn affiliate commission when you sign up with Marcus. But as you know, we don't have paid sponsors or advertisers for the mental load. So this is a very special recommendation because I truly and genuinely love working with him and recommending him because his program is legit. So if you are ready to make a change in your life and fitness, I cannot recommend Marcus at Thriving Lives Fitness enough
1: because so my husband Jesse works from home full-time he does not have an office where we live like he does yeah. he there's no office for him to go to unless he were to get on an airplane and so for him the work from home option is really great because it also saved I mean it it it, it lightens the mental load because if we were both in the office in most cases it would be me taking off work just by our current situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our kids are old enough now that if they're sick, he can still work. I can still work even if I'm off site and they can be home sick and then we're not taking an entire PTO day. Yep. for one kid that threw up one time because they ate too many M&Ms and then chugged a Sprite. Like <laughs> I it's <laughs> not that that's happened. No, no, never, never. <laughs> like it just, it just seems like a no brainer, yeah, to me. Like if somebody has to pop out for an appointment, why make them take all of those PTO hours? Right, like, right,
0: or make it, or make it up. That's right. you know, like I I am a responsible human and I don't know anyone, regardless of whether you are remote, hybrid, or on site, I don't know anyone who is a hundred percent productive for a hundred percent of the eight hours that you are working your your day. Like right. so I mean, when I measure my days in terms of like my priorities and I'm like, what do I need to do? Like, what is the priority? What are other people expecting from me? And like making sure that I have, you know, like I'm meeting those deliverables, then it's like, Mm -hmm. you know what? There's, there could always be more work that I could do, but there is value in saying like, I have met my priorities. And so Mm -hmm. I, I am going to just. I'm going to dip out for this appointment. Or even if yeah. I am a little bit behind, I still have this appointment I have to go to. It's, you know, not really optional if I want to like take care of myself. Like I shouldn't skip my annual. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just going to go. Um So I think you're right. I think just having that option and having the trust in the foundation there to really like Mm -hmm. be flexible. I I have a similar work situation to Jesse in that there is no office for me to go to that's not in another state. Um, If I were kind of local, like a couple people in my company are, they have a co working space and they kind of you know they have their set days that they like to go in because they like to be together. Um, But there's been plenty of times where one of them has been like. Sick kids just working from home this week, you know, and just mm-hmm. not having to because there is a there's an aspect of the mental load to plan to be in an office every single day. I don't think I could go back to an in office a hundred percent on site requirement. Simply because it is has been so freeing to not be like, I've got to remember to pack my lunch the night yep. before or I have to get up twenty minutes earlier so that I can like dry do, shampoo yeah. your hair quick. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like I don't, you know, it's so it's so much better to not feel like I have to do all of those things just to make it through. like just to make it to the office. right when I, when I was on when you're- my day. By the time I sat down at my desk at seven forty five in the morning, I had already put in three hours of like full awake time, yeah, just like get myself and my family where they needed to go,
1: right, and then sat down at my desk It's just it's i mean, it feels like a very really simple ask, I guess. And so sometimes I just get confused.
0: Right. Because post-COVID, we all have the
1: tools. Right. We and had I, to make them. And so we have them.
0: Right. And I get that some people take advantage, but I don't I, – I've got to honestly believe that I, that's not a majority of the people. I would agree. So I don't know. Maybe I've got like rose-colored glasses on in that
1: regard. I was just about to say maybe it's our rose-colored glasses. They're very,
0: they're very beautiful. <laughs> Miranda Lambert would say our pink sunglasses. Oh um, yeah, love that song. <laughs> um, side note: Nora is obsessed with Miranda Lambert, and I love everything about it. And oh, so, fine. my friend and I are taking her to Miranda Lambert. <gasps> She's not – she has the biggest residency right now, so it's not going to be for a while, but – That is so fun. Anyway, so I digress. There are – so there's like a handful of solutions that I think companies can put in place that like let's – okay, so let's just like think them through and talk about like their viability. (laughs) Site. Spoiler, I think they're all viable. Let's (laughs) just say,
1: like, I feel like. I mean, if you want my unbiased
0: opinion, you could already be doing all of these things.
1: Like, too long (laughs) to read. These all work.
0: These all work. You should do them. Um, And I think, so the first one is providing equitable access to training, projects, resources, and skills that women need in order to get to that promotional level and to get into technical roles, right? Um, right. So again, going back to the idea that we are only 26% of first-time managers, I mean, you can quickly see how that number dwindles to like less than 1% of women in like executive roles or Fortune 500s or whatever right. that, that stat is, right? Because it's pretty paltry to begin mm-hmm. with. And- you know, I think this goes, it speaks a lot to like general, in general, like diversity and inclusion, right? It's not just, Mm -hmm. especially for women of color, um, you know, LGBTQ individuals, you know, all around providing that equitable access is critical to really being able to like move us into those roles. And Mm -hmm. to like, to see the benefit of it, right? Like, right. Like you were saying earlier, we are we are so good at juggling all of this stuff that that's an asset, you know, to but, whatever project we're on. Right. You know, like it's – Project webinar. management. Check. Correct. You know, like, yeah, you know what? We should all update our resumes. To say however long we have been mothers, we should be updating our resumes to managers and say oh that we gosh. have that number, that many number of years of managerial experience because it's Hell yeah. true. Hell yeah. So All go right. out there and update your resumes and put I dare
1: it. You. Do it. <laughs> if you do email it to me, please.
0: Yes. Yes. As always, Angie's. Email will be the one in the show notes because she actually checks hers.
1: It's true. I hate <laughs> notifications.
0: I do too. I just consider reading the notifications enough to decide if I even need to look oh. at the I
1: just can't. My heart.
0: I know. I know. It's horrible. Um, the second thing companies can do, and hop in if you have any like thoughts on this, <laughs> so not just like. Talking at you, which is my yeah, you're good um, implement a structured approach to early promotions. so when you were in and I feel like this was a struggle for me and I'm curious what it was like for you early on in your career, did you have like a career map where it was like, here is your professional development, and I understand that you want to end up like this is your goal, so we are going to like develop you along the way. I don't know if that exists in like small teams or like the non Yeah, small. I mean,
1: yes and no. It was one of those things because the team was small enough, I was able to have just those one-on-one conversations with who, whomever was my supervisor at the time saying, this is what I'd like to do. And I don't know if you like Gallup Strengths but one of my top five is learner. And so like, I'm just constantly wanting new information. And so even if it isn't part of like my day-to-day task roles and responsibilities, like I want to know how to do it just in case there's an opportunity that we need that particular skill. And so with the smaller organization, it was just, it was a very organic movement into the director role versus this very like Planned thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Side note: Being a learner who just likes to take in a lot of information, it's funny because I am like sort of the opposite in that regard. It's not that I don't. It's not that I don't like to learn, right? Like I learned right. to do lots of new things. Like you know, when I was designing my planner, and when I was learning, like I learned Ooh. how I learned how to do an actual like. Book layout, it's different than like the normal right. layouts I do in my job, you know. So, like, I do like to learn things, but I actually have a coping mechanism. And because this is something that I really admire about Eric, he is he, like, I would, I swear, he's got to be a learner. If he ever took strengths finders, that would have to be one of his things because he knows so much about like all these. He's like constantly taking in information, yeah, about all of these different like subject matter, yeah. I'm, I'm just it's amazing to me. My coping mechanism <laughs> is to turn that off. Like if it's not a requirement <laughs> for my, oh, funny. my daily yeah. function, I can't take like a ton of it in. Like I can have conversations um, sure. and I mean, that's, I function, I function differently in that regard at work. Like it, at work, I do like to learn things because like it's, it is helpful to me being right. like And, like, I know that taking in information and learning information obviously, like, helps me be more successful. So in that regard, it's, like, motivating to me. But, like, in my personal life, it's a coping mechanism to be, like, if I don't need that information, I would, like, I will listen to you chit-chat with me about it. Um, Right. But do not expect me to come back with, like…
1: Anything of value. (laughs) (laughs)
0: I mean, like, I will listen and I will be happy for you. I might, I'll like engage and ask you questions and be like, oh, that's really right. interesting. Um, but I am like not someone who like randomly sits down and is like, I um, just think that the Nebraska state bird is really fascinating and I should learn about its migratory
1: patterns. That's I'm that person. something my husband's going to do. Yeah. No, I'm I'm 112% that person. And actually, I use it as a coping mechanism for when I'm overwhelmed in other points of my life. So I'm like, these things are going to push me over the edge. So I'm going to compartmentalize them over here, and I'm going to focus all my attention to these new facts. <laughs> Very <laughs> that- interesting. I know. Uh, Brains are weird, man.
0: That is funny. That is funny. So, So to bring that... Full circle. Full circle. The promotions at work and having like a clear path to those promotions. Actually, I don't know that that connects at all. I think I just took us down a little. um, That's okay. A little adventure. But I think early on in my career, it was not like clearly laid out. Like here's how you get to the next level. I think every time – With the exception of the last opportunity, which I did not get to fulfill because our company then had a a layoff that I was part of, but with the exception of the last time, I really felt like I had to like really fight and advocate and demonstrate again and again and again and like build the case for and repeatedly present it to be like, this is why I should get to move up. I mean right. I paid off, right? Because I did get to right. up. But the amount of work it took to be like, I'm are I am already doing some of these things or I am much like I am
1: underutilized. So I right, Well it's Like that. I see it as so like something that our organizational organization has done in recent years is put together like better KPIs reviews. And those types of things. And so I think that lateral movement of roles or Mm -hmm. up and down of roles should be something that should be discussed every single year Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at minimum in an annual review. And so that's something that our organization recently implemented, which I find super invaluable. Because there's been times where I've had staff members that I'm providing reviews on. And I find out, no, actually, I, I am super interested in learning how to teach this class. And I'm like, "I had no idea. Like, let's explore right. that. let's let's right. give you the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. And so, having implemented a structured approach is really just making sure that the conversation is open between the like the parties involved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. making sure there's no closed doors. And I think also
0: backing it up too, though, with action, you know, because I like very early on in my career had a boss who like loved to have those conversations, but then did absolutely nothing with them, like never advocated on my behalf for a single thing. My argue actively tried to like hold me back, you know, like it's – so I think having – the structure in place, and then also like holding your managers to account- accountable and saying, yeah. like, what are you doing? You know, measuring, like, are you promoting these people? Sometimes, sometimes there isn't an upward mobility thing, right? Like it could be a very flat organization, but then managers, what are you doing and how are we holding you responsible for making sure that you're getting people on projects? Like are we seeing diverse people from your team coming into projects, getting new opportunities? So I think Mm -hmm. having a way to hold your managers accountable to like actually executing on it is like, execute, the, actually, yeah. like a sub point to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And,
0: and then this one kind of, I think like dovetails into it, which is into kind of these other two, which is connecting early tenure women with capable managers, mentors, and sponsors. Yes. And, you know, it's something that like I benefited from that very thing, like having a mentor who was like, I'm going to go to bat for you on this, like mm-hmm. helped move me into I mean, a managerial role. And you really do, unfortunately, I think have to have somebody who is willing to basically like willing to champion you and champion you yeah. genuinely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. For me personally, and- through my role um, up into – leadership, I had like this, I had like this insane ebb and flow of levels of support. So I started with like, like once I was in my first managerial role, I had great support. It there was, there was not a ton of drive one way or the other, but I felt generally supported in my role. And then things sharply declined, and I felt like I was treading water all the time, mm. trying to figure out where I was, where I stood, um, was not getting any feedback. And now I have this great team, and through that time, I've remained in the same role with most of the same responsibilities. Um, and it's, it's insane how much better a better boss Can make. A hundred percent. Your work. I. So it's just. Everybody needs a champion. Mm -hmm. And. For women in particular. Because we're fighting. This. The. The the sticky floor. And the glass ceiling. You know. Mm -hmm. Like. We need somebody there. To help us. Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases. Just. Be like. It's dumb. That we have to have like. A note from our parents. Saying that we're. Like, we good. Right. But that's, like, that's what it feels like sometimes. 100%. I'm like, like, they won't take our word for it. Right. We have to have backup saying, no, 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 she is good. She is (laughs) good. Right. That's not fair. Which
0: that's a perfect point to this, like, next um, suggestion, which is changing the informal context. And I feel like that really kind of wraps, like – Wraps all of this together, right? Like there's, right. we've talked about having like flexible work and having all of these things, and really, I I love that analogy of the sticky floor and the glass ceiling because that a hundred percent feels like sort of this, you know, between a rock and a hard place kind of, yeah, like the mom, the mom version of it, Um, right, and. It's really – it comes down to, like, changing a lot of that informal context. I, It sucks that we have to have those champions. Um, and I think companies, like, working to kind of change that, but changing also just, like, the entire informal context. Like, wouldn't it be revolutionary if we didn't have to have a champion? You know, like, right. what happens when you show up at an organization where there are no other women in a leadership role? Then you're like – then you're just hoping one of these dude bros yeah. recognizes and like champions for you, right? Right. So really like looking at and recognizing that it's not just like the big policies that you put in place, but it is also all of the interactions I have throughout the day. It is when you have some 60-year-old – white guy on your board who makes a comment about the fact that like you're a mom with young kids or something and how it's like, like, you know, calls you like little girl or just really like working to eradicate a lot of the masculine tropes that Mm -hmm. like are so prevalent in the workplace and hold pretty much everybody but men back. (laughs) Like you're not a straight man. Those tropes aren't working for you. So, you know, I think that is like the perfect bow to that conversation is to say like the more we can do informally and the more you can call out that behavior, change that behavior and make it known that you expect better of everybody in your organization. Mm -hmm. It's like sort of those micro um interactions that can really have a positive change. And then you're focusing on some of those like macro structures.
1: Right. Right. Because it's all it's all gonna be grassroots. All change is grassroots. All change starts with the first person to be like, I think this is bullshit. Like (laughs) (laughs) and so and so just like the growth on that. We're not gonna like we're not gonna be able to go out tomorrow. And make giant policy changes. But we can start calling out garbage behavior, behavior or pointing out how Jane has to fight so much harder than Joe. Mm-hmm. Just because her name is Jane. Even though they are both equal in every other way.
0: So I read this um post from a friend of mine on LinkedIn the other day and he said I he learned this habit from another gentleman in his you know early in his career who anytime a woman was interrupted while she was talking in the workplace this man taught my friend to say, I noticed that you were interrupted. Why don't you go ahead and finish what you were saying? And like it, like everybody started to catch on to the fact that like, you know, basically you're free to cut us off at any point and probably like our ideas just regurgitated in a different way. Um, And so he he said it was one of like the most impactful things that he learned to do in his career to help champion and sort of change the way that like everyday interactions went. Is anytime he saw it happen, he would say, "I believe you were interrupted. Why don't you go ahead and finish what you were saying?" And like would interrupt. I'm obsessed with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's, like, my new favorite thing. I can't wait to use that in real life. I work for an all-female organization, so it's definitely not going to work. It's definitely not going to work at work. Um, But I can't wait to do that in, like, just normal social settings.
0: Yeah, normal life. So I think... When we talk about change being grassroots, I think that's something we can all take away to our interactions, like look out for each other, look out for those people in your workplace that are marginalized, even if it's not a mom, even if it's not a woman, and say like, hey, I noticed you were interrupted. Why don't you go ahead and finish what you were saying? I love it. Challenge accepted. All right. That's everyone's challenge for this next couple of weeks. Find a time where you can slide that in so in the meantime we I think this is a wrap on our second episode ever and I'm really really proud of us yet again oh look at us doing so
1: good
0: we really are thank you everybody for listening to us pat ourselves on the back because we're awesome
1: yeah, and by padding, what we actually mean is subscribing.
0: Yes, please subscribe. Please share if you are enjoying this episode. We are really trying to grow this podcast via grassroots efforts. You currently can't find us on social media for that for that very reason. Um, we we'll are... get that figured,
1: though. Mm-hmm. We'll get it figured, though.
0: We will. I... Okay, so I didn't tell you this in, like, my thought process of planning this. So as we mentioned in our, like, intro episode, we talked about doing this every other week because that kind of helps keep it sustainable for us. We're moms. We have young kids. So in my head, I was like, oh, we're just intentionally not doing the social media because then it's one less thing we have to worry about. <laughs> so I mean – it's intentional, people, that we're not on social it media is. yet. But we would genuinely appreciate a subscribe, a share if you're feeling generous enough to leave us a review. Those do really help other people find us and help us stand out amongst all of the podcast options. So thank you so much. And we will catch you all next in two weeks.
1: In two weeks. Yes. All right.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye.